Both these teams are what they are. They're both bad. So hello, welcome to All Four Reporters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. Week 13 is in the book, and we had a couple of exciting games, a bit of a new uh, Thanksgiving slate, and a big surprise with New England taking a loss and maybe hashtag gradual decline. So hey, we got Connor here, and we got Fitz. Hello. How's tricks, man? Any fun down in Cork? Ah, not too bad. Just tipping along. It's been a bit chilly around here recently, uh, but yeah, we'll survive. The, the radiator in my room is a bit dodgy, so just have to survive through it. But uh, saw Knives Out at the weekend there. It was pretty I've, fun. Yeah, I've heard it's really, really enjoyable, actually. I'm hoping to maybe catch it this weekend, depending on uh, on timing. Yeah, it's like a, it's just like a load of really good actors, like a really good story. It's not like something that would stick with you for your life, whatever like that, but mm-hmm. it's just a really, really enjoyable romp and just some, some actors really having a bit of fun cheesing it up a little bit as well. But just the right Excellent, amount of cheese. Yeah. I've heard a lot of talk about it possibly being kind of because there's been that and then there's obviously a couple of the more serious kind of like you know murder in the Orient Express and stuff that maybe the maybe the kind of murder mystery genre is coming back and uh, exactly what you're saying kind of you can have a bit of fun with them rather than having to settle in for something overly serious sometimes which might not be the worst thing in the world yeah nothing too wild or crazy over here as the listeners might be able to hear we've got better internet connection now so uh, we will hopefully be able to get our sound quality up and I'm a week and a half away from traveling back to uh, Mother Ireland, where I'll be able to collect some of the uh, recording equipment that I've ordered and not been able to get shipped out here because (laughs) they're terrified of any form of electronics coming in, uh, basically. So, um, yeah, no, it should be be good. Just kind of getting ready for that. The the missus is back from uh, working over abroad for the last three weeks, so... uh, She's back this week and looking forward to it. So, yeah, no, all, all good. I've got, I think, all of my Christmas presents now ordered to be in the house whenever I land back in Ireland, apart from one that I ordered to my old work. So I'll pick that up in Dublin when I'm down. But, yeah, and what I'm quite excited by is I'm obviously going to be able to catch a playoff game and catch up with a lot of you guys when I'm over. And if it stays as is in the playoff picture, we will be able to base that around seeing a Chiefs game, which would be a, a nice little touch to be able to add into it. Uh, you know, fingers crossed we don't have a Chiefs game. That'll be a nice turn of events. So we'll fly in and have a look at some of the news, I suppose. First up, Jacksonville have named Gardner Minshew as their starter. And we got to presume at this late stage it's going to be for the rest of the season. Obviously, we talked about Minshew Max whenever he was playing forehand. The jorts scheme that they had where they would give you a free Minshew jersey if you cut your jeans into jorts in the stadium and so on. Nick Foles injured his clavicle against Kansas City at the start of the season in the first game and was out since then. He's looked a little bit off since coming back after the bye. They've been on a bit of a losing streak. Minshew, while maybe not perfect, is a bit more exciting. Definitely seems to you know, run the offense a little bit better than Nick Foles appears to be doing at the moment. And on top of that, he was a, what, sixth round rookie, I think. So it will cost very little. But the issue, obviously, is that they gave a very large contract to Nick Foles in the offseason. And now they're going to be on the hook for, I think, is it 15 million in guarantees next year, plus some for the year afterwards, because they gave him like a $65 million contract. Yeah, like the, the, the signing bonus issue would probably come into play then. They'd have to accelerate onto the cap. So... The, the 50 million is what they owe him in terms of real money, but they'll owe him more on the cap as well as that. 
Um, let's be honest, Nick Foles, since he come back, has been very disappointing. He didn't do anything. He got pulled early enough in the game this week after throwing a pick, basically doing nothing against the Tampa Bay defense, which is, by all accounts, pretty mediocre, especially in the secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, I think to a certain extent, it's not totally Nick Foles' fault. Like The offensive line there has been pretty questionable, especially due to injuries. And perhaps someone like Gardner Minshew, who has a more improvis- improvisational style, Rather than folds, who kind of relies on the big play, the RPO, to get him going. Maybe it's just kind of a culture problem there. Of course, it's worth remembering that Foles missed pretty much all of the preseason as well. So he basically has had very few reps in this offense uh, as as constructed by this coaching staff. So I think they were hoping that if we throw Foles in, he might show something, but he didn't. And I think, you know, the fact that they have someone here that people will give a bit of rope to, even if there is a challenging end of the season here in the last four weeks is probably good for the coaching staff. Now, whether that'll be good enough for the coaching staff to be there for them to be there next year is a completely different question, but I mean, yeah, she probably gets the best best case to probably at least have a little bit of optimism coming out of this season. Yeah, I can't, I can't really see a scenario where they don't kind of clean house, at least at the coaching level, if not higher up. Although I have heard some mentions of people saying, well, you've got... Um, the ex-Giants uh, coach in at the GM. Tom Coughlin. Tom Coughlin. And then, the, and then the, the question obviously being, if you've got a coach who's won multiple Super Bowls previously, why are they not coaching? Uh, although there's always been rumours flying around about him having a much heavier hand in the actual coaching side of things. But um, yeah, particularly if they decide, because you know they, they've already sold off uh, Jalen Ramsey for, for draft picks. If they then get rid of Foles, keep the cheap deal on Minshew, maybe draft someone else to sit underneath him, blow it up and start again, essentially, would be the uh, the only option. And I don't see how you'd be holding on to your old coaching staff and maybe even your old GM if that was the case. But it'll be an interesting one to track, and I think you're right. Uh, Minshew probably does give them the best chance at that. Another bit of quarterback news, Denver Broncos have named uh, Drew Locke the starter after activating him from IR. This continues the long run of them just not being able to draft or develop a quarterback in Denver under Elway's tenure. Their only success really being Peyton Manning, who was a you know ready-made product that they just took the shot on after his neck surgery. He had a pretty decent-looking week one, uh, like, 130 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Like, nothing that would blow your mind, but also probably a step up from some of what they've seen over the last two or three years knocking around there. Uh, The issue is obviously going to be almost similar to the Jacksonville scenario. Even if this is the guy, most of their pieces are aging. They've been selling off some of their their pieces this season with uh, wide receivers going to San Francisco and so on. Is this a spot where we'll be able to get a look at Drew Locke and see if he's someone they can build around, or is just a kind of bounce a little bit for the back end of the season and probably still need to to, to push the reset button afterwards? He kind of strikes me as someone that they, I don't think they'll be able to invest fully on, even if unless he has a truly spectacular end of the year. Like this is just a preview from week thirteen of someone who's just getting going. Um, mm-hmm. He looked quite good in like the first half of the game, but kind of fell off. And like Brandon Allen wasn't completely unproductive in the same system. It's kind of a fairly quarterback-friendly system. It's based around the same principles from Kubiak, kind of zone read, uh, yeah, like zone running, run the ball, mostly just kind of play action for the quarterback. I think Drew Locke was seen as a fairly raw prospect, lots of you know all the talent in the world, but perhaps not the uh, understanding of the game to kind of perform at an elite level. Uh, but I think the fact that he didn't blow up in his first game and didn't do a Peterman basically means that he'll be 
probably safely ensconced as starter for the rest of the season. But I don't, based on his profile, based on the way he played, I I don't see enough there that you would just have him as your only person mm-hmm. going to next year. You probably have a veteran backup uh, type player, someone in like the Fitzmagic Magic area. Who Mariota could land there. Yeah, if some if things go wrong, you have at least an option to go there. But uh, and to be honest, they're going to be high up in the draft. That if there's a prospect they really like, I wouldn't be completely shocked if they ended up picking up another quarterback in the first round next year as well. I wouldn't say it's probable right now, but I wouldn't be shocked by it either. Yeah, no, of course. Um, then we'll move on to crime and punishment. There's been a bit of this around the league this week. So uh, free agent wide receiver slash quarterback, depending on what team you're referring to, Terrell Pryor was uh, stabbed in an incident in his Pittsburgh apartment. He was in critical condition, had to go for surgery, but he's now stabilized. So he has been charged with assault in this situation. And his girlfriend slash ex-girlfriend, Shayla Briston. Probably exes now, yeah. Probably exes at this point, yeah. you you got (laughs) to imagine. uh, Has been charged with attempted homicide and aggravated assault for attacking him with a knife, I believe, is what they initial reports are saying so this stems from uh, i believe they've been in a relationship for a while it's quite tumultuous uh there's also i think a, some kind of slight issue that the only witnesses in this case are uh two or three of her friends mm. and it's all a little bit of a mess but just overall sounds like a really terrible situation and one that's definitely not going to assist trial prior in any aspirations he has to getting back in the league i believe he's like kind of hopped onto summertime extended rosters but really just hasn't been good enough to make the cut down anywhere yeah he like that that's just where he is i think in terms of the personal situation this is obviously a bad situation that happened we don't know to what extent his part in the actions happening but obviously if you get stabbed with a knife in attempted murder um there's probably very little that could justify that Uh, Of course, and the fact that they're charging him with a simple assault as well is an indication that there's probably something happened between them beforehand that was the instigating of her maybe coming back with the weapon afterwards. Yeah, there was probably an altercation of some type, but obviously Mm -hmm. it escalated to such a situation that the severity of the crimes involved increased very quickly. And obviously, if there were witnesses there, that probably implies it was more of a public type dispute than a kind of domestic violence dispute. Yeah. Um, Although it has basically a big fight that escalated on his part, possibly first. Uh, Well, he probably did use some violence and then she decided to escalate even further. Um, Although it has it has introduced a new legal term to me that I'd never heard beforehand that I think is pretty awesome sounding, which is uh, mutual combatants. Uh, which, <laughs> so says they the, the initial police report says they were mutual combatants, uh, which yeah I just I, I, I stupid I just I just think it's a really cool phrase. Uh, we also had Arizona safety Josh Slaw got himself in trouble. He's been suspended for the next season for gambling on an NFL game. Uh, this is interesting. So obviously there's regulations around gambling in the NFL to stop players from you know having an incentive to throw games or to not perform to the highest level and so on the reports are that he bet against arizona but the issue is he's been injured since the preseason i believe it was he hasn't played it down he's not playing this season and he was out with his buddies in vegas so it doesn't seem like it's a big deal although obviously this is the letter of the law in the agreement i've got to imagine when you look at the context of this like that it's going to get knocked down a bit from an entire season 
Yes, but no. It, this kind of feels like a little bit just like one of those things where I think the league or sports leagues in general or sports organizations in general recognize the incredible danger that comes with players choosing to gamble on their own sport mm-hmm. and therefore will tend to take an incredibly hard line on anyone caught doing anything, even if there is no evidence that that was actually then influencing the result of the game. So it wouldn't surprise me if this suspension was upheld, um, either in its current form or into a form very close to it. Um, the fact that he gambled on his own team, even though he is injured and obviously wasn't a participant, obviously adds an additional level of, uh, of, of issue to it. I believe it was an escalator bet on like three games. Yeah. You're interested like, in the details in a Caesars uh, sportsbook, but uh, like uh, obviously, like we know the NFL is obviously becoming a lot more open to gambling as well, but you would imagine there's still a bit of residual, um, you know, gambling mm-hmm. isn't the best thing in the world type of situation as well with the league. So yeah. I just think for the precedent, because we know all across the world in sports like soccer, in sports like rugby, in any sport you can think of, gambling being used as a mechanism to create artificial results is a real problem. It is something that happens a lot in the lower leagues of various sports. So I, I think, think it's huge in tennis because tennis yeah. is the easiest one to throw or something that you can win and lose quite easily with making it less obvious because it's like just hitting it two inches wider or whatever. Yeah, so if you're like, we don't want that to happen, then throwing the book at a no-name safety from Arizona may be one way to encourage people to do mm-hmm. that. Now, the whole system of deterrence and does it work or not is a whole different thing, but that's probably where they might come from. And based on the CBA, it's, there probably isn't that much comeback for Josh if they do want to take that line. Well, to be honest, what it feels to me like is it feels like the NFL putting down a marker for one of their spots in the upcoming CBA negotiations that they're, you know, they're going to stand by this possibly just to try and force a, a more nuanced agreement given you know now they'll have a franchise in vegas and now they've got all that kind of stuff happening uh one of the small bit of crime and punishment to add in uh you know it's, it's relating to your boy swag kelly apparently a news story has been coming out this week that uh during the incident that uh, got him kicked off the broncos if you remember got like black and then just wandered into someone else's house, sat down beside them, and then got chased out with a vacuum cleaner, I believe it was. <laughs> um, apparently, the same night as that, or maybe earlier in the day, uh, Von Miller had some kind of camera crew following him around for something, and uh, Swag Kelly like got into a fist fight with the camera crew as well. So this it just increasingly seems like, yeah, the likelihood of us seeing a... Swag Kelly revival with the Colts or elsewhere just does not seem to be on the cards. So maybe it's time for him to go up to Canada and then like play a kind of a wishbone two QB set with Johnny Manziel or something. Cross the border. <laughs> That's it. Multiple multiple points to crossing the border in favour. Yeah, 100%. Uh, we had a couple of injuries around the league. Uh, New England centre Dave Karras Car- uh, has got an MCL sprain. He's now week to week. He's been the only player on that line who's been there every single week so far. So obviously a bit of a hit to them. We'll be discussing the game later on. But the line wasn't doing a fantastic job. The wide receivers weren't doing a fantastic job. And you got to worry a little bit if, you're seeing, if you're seeing decline in Brady and you need kind of performance all around him, losing the centre who's been there for the entire season for them is going to be a bit of a hit. Yeah, and we'll talk more in the game, but there's definitely been a trend over the last month or, or even more 
at the lack of continuity in the personnel across that entire offense and even in the kicking game, um, as we'll mention in a second, it's just kind of it's preventing perhaps the creation of a game plan that works. There's only mm-hmm. like a handful of elements that are really working right now, and you know Ted Karras isn't a you know household name, but I think it's just an indicator here that this OL has been banged up all year, hasn't been performing, and there's only so much I suppose like Kernetchia can do in those situations. So we'll see yeah. if they can they can make it so for the uh, playoffs, or if this kind of dip in form ends up costing them the the buy that they usually have, and that ends up having a role on effect in wildcard weekend. Yeah, uh, Detroit quarterback Jeff Driscoll, uh, his hamstring injury is now gone to injured reserve. <laughs> this means the return of uh, QB Kyle Slaughter uh, with an O, not an A-U-G-H. Uh, but they say David Blau, who we'll, we'll mention very briefly later on, uh, is going to remain <laughs> the starter until a possible Stafford return, but yeah. let's be honest, like they've got three wins of what, six games back in their division, no chance of a wild card. Like just let Stafford's, you know, several fractured backbones that he was trying to play through heal and uh, hope for next year. But yeah, like this is a bad QB room to start with. It's just like nose diving. This is a warning that if you weren't skipping Detroit's games already, you definitely have a good reason to skip them now. And uh, Houston have said that J.J. Watt may be activated from injured reserve in time for the playoffs. Obviously, I think it's two players these days now that you can put on what sometimes referred to as IR boomerang, which is you put them on injured reserve, but after they've spent eight weeks on injured reserve, you have the option to bring them back to the team and rejoin the lineup. So that would be a nice addition for them to be able to get back, particularly if he was healthy. Um, they have needed a bit more help on that uh, defensive side of the ball. And J.J. Watt, when he's at his best, is a game-changing tour de force. Even at his worst, he's still a good player. So, um, yeah, that would be a nice little addition if they could get him in and essentially... Well, I suppose rest is the wrong term because he's coming off an injury. But, you know, everyone gathers injuries over the course of eight games. So that be eight games of game where fresher might be uh, no bad thing going into a tough AFC playoff picture. Are you ready for inspirational Instagram posts? JJ Watt's ready for them. He's coming back. He's going to change the game. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Him, sit, him, him sitting and completely unaware the TV cameras of uh, Hard Knocks are on him, rapping fucking Fort Minor while flipping tires. Yeah. just get <laughs> fucked. I was just going to say, he's on the sideline. It's just, oh, this 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 tractor tire, that's just that's just there. I'll just lift this for it. Get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, JJ Watt, good player. Total douche. Does a lot of good, but yeah, it just comes up, comes across like a douche. Uh, transactions. We've had a couple of ones. So Philadelphia, given how fantastic uh, you know their whole offense has looked, and how you know you don't want to let a single drop of that magic escape the bottle, have decided to extend their offensive tackle Lane Johnson. To be fair, he's one of the best pieces that they've got there. Four years, seventy-two million, fifty-four and a half million guaranteed. Nice, big, tasty. Uh, tasty contract there for the tackle he's played well he's an anchor for that team and obviously one of the things that we've seen is particularly with the lack of trust they've had in their wide receivers giving uh giving Wentz time behind that line is key for them to be able to get success and even though they haven't had as much of it this season with some of the injuries to Howard and the likes they do need 
some good run blocking uh, offensive linemen as well and they've seen that they've had that ability with Johnson in the lineup yeah and building through the trenches is a classic team building uh, exercise and it generally works all right if they can stay healthy and um, we'll see if that ends up being true for Lane Johnson. I think one interesting thing to see is the largest tackle contract, I believe, in the league right now. And Lane Johnson is considered to be a right tackle. So it's interesting that him and in the free agency, Trent Brown, both considered more right tackles than left tackles, are the players resetting this market when obviously traditionally left tackles have been considered to be the more important one. But that probably just reflects the fact that defences are now putting their best pass rusher on the worst tackle, whether they're left or right. Um, so just an or, interesting tidbit there. Or or both these teams are lining up to go after Tua now that they might be dropping in the draft because he's a lefty, isn't he? <laughs> well, that, that could also be the reason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they've also re-signed kicker Jake Elliott to a five-year extension, 21.8 million. We'll see, uh, we'll see about that. Yeah, 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 we'll see about that. There's more kicker news as well in New England. So uh, as you might remember, due to injuries, they signed Nick Folt to be their kicker. He has now had appendicitis, so had to go and get uh, a, an appendectomy. So they decided to cut him, uh, you know, Cold-hearted, ruthless, but why not? Cut him, fine. So they signed Kai Forbath. Kai's Kai. Uh, that guy. Yeah, so they signed him, played him for the played him for the game, he scored two out of three kicks, and now they've cut him as well. They have no interest in keeping Kai around. So who is going to be their kicker? Is Folk going to get resigned by them, or are they going elsewhere? No one really knows. It's, it's a mystery right now. I'm sure by the time... Um, that you're listening to this podcast, then there's a good chance it'll have been resolved. But right now, nobody knows. Yeah, interesting times. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. Like, is it is it just me or this season have the kickers been a lot less successful? Like, there's a lot of ones who just seem to just not be able to do it. A lot more missed kicks, and like not just the kind of like you know the extra points being less common now that it's pushed back a bit. Like, just there seems to be a lot of missed kicks. Yeah, I'm not sure. Just one of those things. Like, uh, I'm sure from a statistical point of view, it isn't too out of whack with what you'd expect. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of just yeah, maybe bad kickers around there. Maybe a bit unlucky with injuries. And I think a few of the stalwarts like Gold and Vinatieri are definitely reaching the end of the rope, and that's having an effect as well. No, of course. Um, and I suppose there'll be plenty of mentions of uh, some mistaking in the kicking game um, as we review the games from last week. So, first up, we have Chicago at Detroit. Oh, God, these, this slate of Thanksgiving games were underwhelming at best. 24-20 uh, to 20 in Chicago's favour. Trubisky has an OK day, 338, three touchdowns and an interception. Scores twice in the second half with Anthony Miller having a good game, 140 yards for him. Um, the only, actually, the, the, the one thing I want to note, because I've seen this being knocked around uh, online quite a bit at the moment, is uh, currently Mitch Trubisky over the last three weeks has been having statistically much better time than Tom Brady has, which is uh, quite, just, 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 just funny given how shit Trubisky is. Um, Detroit, as we mentioned, Blau is their, uh, is their quarterback in this game. Just not looking good. I can't tell if it was Chicago's defense returning to form. They did have two sacks and interception. Or if it's just, you know, Blau not being a very good quarterback. They were onto their third stringer and so on. Yeah, just just a, a boring yeah. game. Don't bother going back and watching yeah. it. Two there, was like a, absolutely there, there was like a brief moment where he got two touchdowns in the first quarter on a kind of couple of big plays where people were like, oh my God. But then he reverted mm-hmm. very much to form. 
Um, yeah. So the next game on Thanksgiving was Buffalo at Dallas. Big win for Buffalo, 26-15. Yeah, very I'm impressed. Very important game for the playoffs, but the actual game was not very fun to watch because, let's be honest, like Buffalo, when they win, they don't tend to make that fun game. We haven't talked about them much. But here, Josh Allen's actually been surprisingly efficient recently, 19-24, 231 yards, one touchdown, and the D did its job with an interception and four sacks. So I think you just saw the classic like Buffalo template, but with a, maybe a little bit better play from Josh Allen promising there we'll be talking a lot more about these teams because of their playoff implications going forward but this game wasn't great because Dak basically because they went behind early had to throw early and often like like 49 attempts only 32 made like the the, the, the numbers sound nice like 350 yards two touchdowns and interception but I think they were off their script and there was a couple of outrageous misses like a, a basically a swing pass to Zeke that should be a touchdown that he missed and you know the main news that's coming out of this story now isn't about buffalo it's about jason garrett's butt being pretty hot right he's now. he's gone jason garrett's gone yeah so he finally he, he's on the way out unless he pulls off a miracle here there's still a good chance to make the playoffs just because the eagles are bubbling along too but he's going to need to make the nfc championship at least if he's going to have any chance to stick around no of course uh the final one on thanksgiving was new orleans at atlanta 26 to 18 again just Boring. A routine win for New Orleans. Uh, Taysom Hill did some interesting bits. So he had a blocked punt, a receiving touchdown, and a, and a rushing touchdown, which I think is the first time that's ever happened. Or maybe it's the first time that's ever happened for a quote-unquote quarterback. <laughs> um, yeah, like the only thing that was exciting in this was Atlanta was just going for it on onside kicks with uh, Young Hoku. Made two, but one of them got pulled back. Like Atlanta... Whatever little magic they caught in a bottle for three weeks is just gone entirely. Um, their offensive line got got Ryan killed. I think there was eight sacks in this game. Like it was just yeah, four for. To be honest, I, yeah. To be honest, like to me, it almost feels like I don't know why New Orleans only had this much of a margin where their defense was kind of teeing off on them like that. So look. They get the win in Atlanta. That's what's important. But uh, not exactly changing my worries about this New Orleans team with that performance. Uh, our next Tennessee at Indianapolis, 31-17. to It was a pretty tight game. Uh, Vinatieri had a couple of misses with some blocks happening and all that kind of stuff. But, God, do you know what? I'm not a big fan of the Titans to watch normally. They look a lot better now with, the, with Tannehill in place. But God damn, it's nice to watch uh, Henry run sometimes. Like he's just he's, he's he's like a like a kind of a tweener linebacker defensive end <laughs> in terms of size when you look at him on the pitch, and he just looks like a nightmare to bring down. He had a like nearly 150 yards in this game, and he's in a he's in a in a contract as well. Uh, and if, if it wasn't for the fact that no one pays running backs anymore, I think he was just going to get paid out the arse because he yeah. is something else. Uh, Indianapolis looked good, but Brissett just doesn't look up to scratch. I don't know if it's coming back from the injury. I don't know if it's that, you know, this whole thing of like backup quarterbacks, once there's tape on them, can't adapt as much. But uh, yeah, like they're missing some pieces. Maybe that's it. TY's out, Max out. But it just... It doesn't feel like the Indianapolis team that four weeks ago were, oh, look at these guys. Maybe they could turn it on and do something kind of thing, you know? Yeah, and it's a cliche on my part at this point, but as I said, this Indianapolis team, they're so solid, but they lack those explosive players, especially with T. Hoyle Hilton and Marlon Mack and Eric Ebron all on the the sideline for this game. 
they're still so Doyle caught that nice yeah. touchdown early on. I thought maybe they won't feel the Ebron, but yeah. They're solid. They keep every game close. And to be fair, like they were right into this until like the Vinatieri blocked kick in the fourth quarter was taken for a touchdown uh, by Ty mm. Law for Tennessee. That basically killed this game off. Uh, and they're they're fine. And if they if they sneak into the playoffs, I wouldn't hate to see them. And yeah, Tennessee look better. We're, we don't hate them. Maybe uh, well, well, I wouldn't go that far. But basically, we're 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 warming enough to them that we won't claw our own eyes out if we have to watch them on wild card no. weekend. Um, like Henry, well, worry, like I said, is I don't want the KCE to have to play yeah. them because I actually think that they just match up really well with us. Yeah, and like Derrick Henry, uh, yeah, the fact that he's getting powered up, he's stiff arming guys, he's showing off the power that just seemed he just looks like a powerful guy, like a freight train, mm. kind of like a mix between like Marshawn Lynch and Leonard Fournette, just like in one like big package, yeah, just like mowing people down, pushing them off. It's really good to see that. Uh, I think Lynch, in the way he runs when he gets into the open space, he's kind of similar to that, if a bit more stiff. Uh, mm. And then Tannehill's been fine, and that's all they need because Mariota was just so milquetoast, so boring mm-hmm. that it was that was there. And I think, yeah, like I think either of these teams that they made the playoffs, I wouldn't be too unhappy at this juncture. Uh, and they're both kind of similar, but I suppose maybe De- like Tennessee now have a Derrick Henry. Maybe I'd more rather to see him what he can do rather mm-hmm. than the collection of. Pretty good coach, but otherwise not that interesting uh, players on the Indianapolis side. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. The uh, the big game this week, San Francisco at Baltimore, uh, properly delivered, 17-20. to 20. This game was over and back the whole time. Horrible, soggy weather. The pitch looked, looked a bit waterlogged towards the back end. They had these guys going for it on fourth down with uh, failures and successes. A walk-off Tucker field goal gets the gets the job done for them. But yeah, <laughs> not your favorite way to end the game, but uh... no, not my favorite way to, to to end a game. Do you know what? Actually, I was only hearing about it last day. I hadn't realized he's only been in the league for eight years. I thought he was here for longer. I just it, time <laughs> fucking goes slowly when Tucker's there. Uh, Lamar didn't have his biggest game, 105 yards passing, 100 yards running and two touchdowns, but their defense <laughs> showed up very, very, very well. Um, uh, San Francisco... Like, you're, you're contained. It's only 200 yards and two touchdowns. Oh, yeah, that's that's a disappointing result against the best of the, one of the best defenses in the league. <laughs> that's true, it's true. Uh, but, you know, I suppose it's that thing of, you know, in, in, in the grand scheme of... The, like even like like you know the the MVP narrative of Lamar, it's not like they kind of went. He went up against the best defense and he destroyed him. He had a hundred yards passing and a hundred yards rushing. He went up against uh, the best defense and won, so he's still on MVP track probably. I look at the San Francisco team and I think I I, I don't think they were comprehensively beaten. I don't think they, they didn't allow uh, any scoring in the second half until that field goal at the tail end. They had a very good game here, even in the loss, although. Now all the the you know predictor machines are saying well they could quite easily now slip into the wild card instead of uh, of anything else. I I I I really enjoyed this game and I didn't come out of it thinking we know definitively this team is better than the other team because I could see this going any number of ways if it was replayed. Yeah, like we want to see teams like this in the playoffs playing as other teams of this quality. Mm-hmm. And right now, I think Baltimore are the cream of the crop in the AFC. Um, Alongside, uh, like like New England, we we expect that they might pull it around, but they're mm-hmm. running out of time. KC, we know, are maybe heating up a little bit. I think they have room to improve. And Houston obviously showed, as we'll talk about later, a bit of uh, life this week. Uh, but I think San Francisco, they're in a tougher position because you have the Seahawks, you have the Packers, 
you have Saints. the Vikings, you have the Saints, and all these teams are playing really, really well. Um, like only the NFC East contender is likely to be uh, a tomato can. And even then, I could see Dallas showing up on their day. Um, and so I think San Francisco can play any team on their day. And well, not even on their day, on every average day, they are a great team. They have talent all the way up and down the roster. But obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo um, has shown good stuff recently. But I just like they're lacking that maybe superstar X factor. Mm-hmm. Like they have this collection of great defensive linemen. Maybe Nick Bosa is the closest to a, a superstar. They have this collection of really good skill players and offensive linemen, but none of them are kind of X factor. So I don't know if that'll be the difference or not. Perhaps besides George Kittle, perhaps. But you know, maybe in this game we saw. I, mean, I think we also saw a little bit of conservatism from Kyle Shanahan. I think there was a couple of cases. Yeah. Uh, where he where he didn't he didn't put the pedal to the metal where he relied on a couple of gold field goals attempts even though he didn't look right at all he's coming off an injury uh, and you obviously you know you can compare what happened with gold versus Tucker that ended up being the difference here uh, and I think Shanahan the way that they were running the ball um, the way they were doing things they could have been a bit more aggressive even even though they were already pretty aggressive but I think they could even take it to the logical extreme that Baltimore's doing this year which is basically. Yeah, if the stats say that it's better to go on fourth down, we go on fourth down, and they're doing it so much right now. Nearly cost them in this game, but mm-hmm. it also got them the result in the end. So I think yeah. for, for Baltimore, it's really exciting what they're doing right now. I'm, I want to see more of this team. Yeah, I want to see no, more of these teams. Yeah, of course. Um, but as I said, this could be could, could be a preview of the upcoming uh, upcoming Super Bowl, possibly as well. Uh, next up was a bit of a shitty game: Jets at Cincinnati. And it's a bit of a joke because the, that previous game was on in the early window, and it's like, why are you putting your like best stuff there? And I know that mm-hmm. Brian Hagen's actually been okay, but like, yeah, like you compare it to why is he putting along like this trash where Cincinnati hammered Jets twenty-two to six. Basically, Dalton comes back; he's pretty good, two hundred forty-three yards and a touchdown. The D kind of mops up New York Jets who basically just fall off a cliff after doing okay against Oakland. They got four sacks and I think a turnover. Darnold basically did nothing and penalties just killed them again and again and Billy undid all their plays and, you know, Cincinnati get off the shine, they get their win. It's not a complete disaster. That's probably good for them. Uh, But the Jets, after a couple of promising performances, suddenly come back to earth. So, both these teams are what they are. They're both bad, but, you know, it's all about the narrative and the last thing that's happened in terms of how the fans are feeling. Um, and right now, Cincinnati fans feel okay, and Jets fans are back to feeling like absolute shit. Yeah, and Dalton's now the Cincinnati's uh, touchdown leader. I think yeah, he's near. Time. I think he's uh, two off two hundred as well. Oh, very nice. We might get that in the next uh, week or two <laughs> at the current rate. Uh, P- Cleveland at Pittsburgh, uh, thirteen to twenty. You know, kind of ding ding round two. Uh, Pittsburgh get revenge. Duck Hodgins looks better than Rudolph did at any point, even if it wasn't phenomenal. 200 and something yards, touchdown and interception. Pittsburgh got their ground game on the go again, over 100 and something yards and a touchdown, won 30 something carries. And their defense came in nice and hard. Five sacks, an interception they were at the end to seal the game. Cleveland just. Look like the Cleveland from about four weeks ago again. They look soft. They look like they don't quite know what they're meant to be doing. Their offensive line and their defensive line were just not up to scratch in this game. Uh, yeah, like they again, they've just gone back to this kind of almost we've won a game or two. Suddenly we're getting a little bit full of ourselves. Freddie Kitchens is wandering around wearing a Pittsburgh started a t shirt 
and they go, well, we've got some fucking superstars. Like, I know, fuck it, like, just, just be fucking copped on, like, <laughs> fucking five-year-old bullshit child been put in charge of this organization, like, but yeah, basically, Cleveland, right back down to earth, like, they're not in any way, shape, or form a contender. Pittsburgh, look a little bit better, still, I don't care that you're back to evens or whatever, you're not a playoff <laughs> contender. Like, you're not. The defense is good, and the defense will make them interesting next year. But, what, like, what? They, they, get, they get waxed by any of the other teams that are looking into the... Could you imagine, Connor, that you're now basically advocating for Tennessee to get in the playoffs over Pittsburgh? Uh, that's basically the world you, you've, you've ended up living in this year. Um, I think it's, like, pers- personally, I prefer Pittsburgh because I think we'd kick the living shit out of Pittsburgh and I'd be worried about Tennessee Titans. But <laughs> on a pure footballing skill, yeah, the Titans yeah. are a better team than Pittsburgh are. Yeah, and Cleveland, as you say, were found out here. Like, they're a bit of a flat-track bully when they actually do look good this year, when their offense is basically allowed to do its thing, get Landry and, to a lesser extent, OBJ, kind of go and get the run game going. And they had a 10-0 lead early here, and they blew it. They didn't do anything for basically the rest of the game. They only got three points the rest of the way. Uh, and when they had the opportunity to, to tie the game up late on, they they faltered. They got sacked a lot and whatever. And I think, you know, similar to the Jets, who, where Jamal Adams like, picked up an injury in the previous game and, and therefore the Jets' defense seemed to fall apart. They lose Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett and like the defense has been pretty bad the last couple of weeks and was particularly bad here against, you know, not a very dynamic offense. Like, Pittsburgh have had this template since Big Ben went out, a ground and pound, you might call it, with the, with the running the ball and with hitting them with hard defense. And, you know, it kind of faltered recently because maybe Rudolph is just that fucking bad, uh, maybe because he's a racist. Uh, I couldn't possibly say. But, yeah, like, I think Pittsburgh, they could definitely grind their way into the playoffs. But as you say, they wouldn't be in any way relevant, even if they managed to do that. And as for Cleveland, big questions there of how much of a clear out you feel is needed there, how much talent is actually there, and what you're going to do about a roster which was supposed to be competing for, you know, the playoffs and instead is going to be near near to a ten, top 10 pick. Yeah, no, uh, just just not... Not good stuff at all. And again, it would just be it would be bad optics if they chuck Kitchens after one season after putting him in halfway through the previous season, all that kind of stuff. But uh, we'll see. Philly at Miami, thirty-one to thirty-seven. Surprise result. Miami pulled out all the tricks and they managed to win the game, including a fantastic swinging gate play with a no-look shuffle pass to uh, score the touchdown. Uh, Hunter to kicker throw. That's a that's a. That's quite the achievement there. <laughs> no, of course. Uh, Fitzmagic looked good. He made a couple of mistakes early on, but three touchdowns, 350 or so yards. All right defense with a couple of nice plays. Wentz did look better, uh, although they like they had him throwing nearly 50 times in this game, which is just not a recipe for success. And be that because of the ongoing injuries to their running back room or whatever, like... Because all the conversation we've been having for the last couple of weeks is, man, imagine if Philadelphia had someone to throw the ball to, like a wide receiver of some kind. Jeffrey was back in this game, 137 yards and a touchdown, but like they still they don't have the they don't have the weapons out there. Ertz, even though he was you know playing, he was clearly not healthy from that injury to be playing because they went to him I think once in the end zone it didn't work and then it was just all going to the uh, to the backup tight end instead uh, Goddard I think it was like it's just yeah just just, 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 just 
you're seeing here like like Philadelphia looked like a more talented team. They have like Miles Sanders look pretty good. Jeffrey looked pretty good. Uh, and I think their defense is disappointing because it's been so good at home. But I think away from home they've been very disappointing. That very little pressure on Fitzmagic here, even if they had the pick. Uh, but I think what you saw here is a team that's kind of scared of itself. It's kind of lost its confidence. You know, this is the Philly special team, remember? Same coaching staff. Mm-hmm. I know Foles mm-hmm. isn't there. Uh, but they look like they're kind of retreating within themselves, playing a more conservative game plan. And on the other hand, you have Miami, where like I think nearly 50% of the roster is undrafted free agents. And they're just playing balls to the wall right now. Surprise onside kick? Why not? Like, punter, <laughs> punter to fucking kicker throw, where you have two offensive linemen and the rest of your players are out wide? Sure, why not? Let's just do it. And it's just, and obviously you have like the embodiment of that in an NFL career. And Fitzmagic's like, yeah, I show up, but I throw it large. I throw a lot of picks. I throw a lot of touchdowns. And uh, whatever, it's crazy. And they're like, you know, you know, with Brian Flores, I thought maybe you know they could start doing some stuff like to become an effective unit. But the fact that they've turned into this hilarious, like crazy tactics, do whatever you have to do to win team has been one of the, the pleasant surprises this year. It's been one of the best things to see this year. And the fact that they that all the tricks that they pulled out, whatever, overcame this Philly team, which just looks a, a shadow of its former self mm-hmm. is there. And just, you know, shout out to Devontae Parker. He had himself a day here. A couple of absolutely ridiculous oh, yeah. catches. A toe, like a reaching up into the air, toe-tapping run for, like, I think 40 yards. 159 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, I know, Connor, you don't feel too, bad, too good about it because it beat you in fantasy, but... Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I beat myself in fantasy by not yeah. putting Darius Geis into my lineup like the yeah. fool I am. Also, by forgetting to adjust my teams before the Thursday night games and having well, two inactives play. I, I'm, I'm starting to bring Miami into the Tampa Bay category of they're not a good team, but they're pretty good. they can fun be fun. Watch. Yeah. No, because I, I was actually thinking when you were describing the, like, you know, Fitzmagic will come in, he'll make some mistakes, but he'll do some crazy inside of things. like, ah, that Harvard grad, the thinking man's Jameis Winston. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Uh, yeah, we've got, a, we've got a spate of uh, a lot more lower-end games here, so we'll fly through a few of these. Uh, Washington to Carolina, 29-21. Carolina just... Don't look up to much at all at this point. Their poor defense, run defense was exposed because, like, I think it was like 260 total yards on the ground that Washington put up here. Geis, 129 and two touchdowns. Peterson, 100. Uh, yeah, like the only person who didn't really get it going on the ground was Christian McCaffrey, who had 44 <laughs> rushing yards and 50 passing yards. Kyle Allen did a slightly better job, but he was taking a couple too many sacks, if I remember correctly. It was... Okay, Haskins didn't look great, although he did showcase a bit of that arm talent that people were talking about. There was a couple of ones that were just on a row. If I remember, there was a call on one that I loved where uh, he threw it, I think it was to one of the tight ends or a running back out flaring out, and the the common hitter just said, well, that man had no choice but to catch that ball because it hit him square in the face. I was like, that's a, that's an excellent description <laughs> of how some of those, those ball, yeah, balls like are being this- this game was was definitely an example of like a stop clock is right twice a day it's like Carolina have a shit run defense they're pretty solid otherwise and then it just happens to be like Mzungus are like what if we just run the ball every game and that's just what they do every game and just happens in this game that's the perfect strategy just don't worry about your quarterback Uh, you're up for Green Bay at the now sneakily in the hunt for the first overall pick New York Giants 
Yeah, 31 to 13, one off the number of pick, but this is nothing happened this game. Aaron Rodgers basically showed up, got into second gear, and then threw four touchdowns uh, of around 250 yards. Like the New York Giants defense just couldn't do anything except like maybe stymie the run again. Uh, the Giants, like Daniel Jones, made more mistakes, three interceptions here. Like he's missing Golden Tate and Ingram, but I don't think it's any excuse to be honest. Saquon looks a little bit healthier, but like given where they are at this season and given where things are going. It doesn't really matter. So, you know, the Giants are an easy mark pretty much going forward, and Green Bay get an easy win to get things right. We'll see if they can do more impressive things against the better teams than the stretch. No, of course. Tampa Bay, Jacksonville 28-11. to Tampa Bay just get up real easy, real early with three turnovers. Uh, Jacksonville and their offense just did nothing uh, with Nick Foles in. Minshew came in and looked a little bit better in the fourth quarter, but still, I think, threw an interception. Like, nothing much of interest in this game at all, particularly given that these are teams who, like, can occasionally turn it on. We just ended up with kind of down games from both of them. Yeah. Even the winning team, just, you know, it was turnovers that caused it rather than anything exciting. Even so. Jameis Winston can't throw away, like, a 21, like, the lead early on. Like. Well, not to be fair, I think he's already done that once this year, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. But, another, uh, another blowout, Rams at Arizona, 34-7 to for the Rams. Basically, felt like going back in time to last November as Goff, Gurley, and the defense all get their stats. 400 yards or so for Goff and two touchdowns. 115 yards total for Gurley and a touchdown. Five sacks and interception for the defense. Like, the Arizona hype was eaten up hard in this, and the Rams, maybe they're putting together a late-season run, but given where the NFC is, I don't think it's going to matter um, for Arizona, they're an inconsistent team. We know that. Hopefully, they can get better with a full off season and some additional talent. But yeah, the Rams are still a better team on paper, and in this game, that ended up showing up. Yeah, bizarrely though, I still don't trust them. I think this is. I I, I look at this as more of a reflection of Arizona's defense, just making a making a hames of it. Uh, Oakland at Kansas City, nine to forty, uh, a fairly straightforward win for Kansas City. Uh, Jacobs had a good game on the ground, finally crossing the thousand yard mark as a runner, and Waller had a pretty good game. But Oakland looked un, undisciplined. They were they I think twelve penalties were about a hundred yards. Uh, they had two turnovers, like. Kansas City had no penalties in this game, which is a bizarre thing to happen. Oh, which yeah. Is, which is like, it's also like, it's not it's not exactly that because there was a penalty, but it was an offsetting penalty, so it doesn't count. Um, but yeah, Chris Jones, Holly Badger, Thornhill, uh, a, a few others just looked very, very good by comparison on the defense here. Uh, there was... I love having Romo commenting on a game because you pick up on so much more of what's <laughs> happening that you don't see. Of like he was talking about the communication that was happening on the defense. Uh, the offense, like bizarrely, the offense put up thirty-one points, but had very low yardage and didn't, didn't have anything to do. They just gave yeah. a great field position. You're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, pretty much good. Uh, the, the the big one looking at going forward is obviously, one, the defense looked good in this game, but two, Darwin Thompson came in, in the fourth quarter and started to salt the game away. So I think they gave him like 12 carries. He averaged four and a half yards thereabouts, uh, put in the final touchdown, but also just he looked significantly more dynamic, shifty, and just gave them a bit more bite. Now, Fair enough. It was you know fourth quarter versus an Oakland Raiders team, but he looked he looked better. The the knock on him was obviously his uh, his they were worried about his pass protection. So if that's the case, we might see a lot more of him moving forward, which I think would be a lovely thing. 
Yeah, it'll be good for the team. Uh, not good for fantasy people, because that means there'll be almost a four-headed monster for mm. running backs there, but uh, mm. who cares about fantasy anyway? And like The Chiefs running back situation's been terrible anyway. Uh, and then finally, uh, another AFC West tilt here a lot. Well, somehow even worse than that one. 20-23 to 23 win for Denver. The Chargers come back from 14 points down um, in the final minute of the game. Uh, Drew Lock has like a hink. I think 40 seconds or so left on the clock, makes a couple of completions. Then with about, I think, 12 seconds or so on the clock, he just hoofs it up, and the Chargers cornerback gives a DPI, uh, basically putting them in field goal range, and Denver get the field goal to win the game and Drew Mm -hmm. Lockwood's first game. So much charging, coming back from 14, losing on a ridiculous DPI-like idiot move. Uh, like the overall game was like that. It was sloppy. Locke, as we said, already is okay. Like Kirtland Sutton's looking good. That's about it, I can say. And Rivers was very poor till he had that late run. And to be honest, at the moment, it, like the, the, the system runs through the running backs. Gordon carrying the load and Eckler kind of providing the scat back uh, change of pace so that Rivers can throw the, throw the ball to someone safe. Do, um, we, think, do we think Rivers is going to get benched? I, I I don't think so, but I don't think he'll be there next year. I think yeah. Tyrod Taylor just isn't excited enough that you'd be bothered. I think it's kind of like a Geno Smith system, even if Tyrod Taylor's a nicer guy than Geno Smith, but uh, I just don't think... I don't see the, the wattage there to want to bring in Tyrod Taylor. We know who Tyrod Taylor is. Yeah, but maybe you want to get to the field to see if, if he's going to be your... Uh, if he's going to be your... You know, going into camp, one of the quarterbacks that you go for next year or not, you maybe want to test him out a bit. We know uh, who Tarot is, like we know it. Like. Do we? Literally, up until two years ago, we were saying his name wrong. Like we don't know shit about this guy. <laughs> uh, New England at Houston. This was an exciting one, twenty-two to twenty-eight, and it was not as close as that score suggests. Yeah. Uh, Bill O'Brien gets his first win. Yeah, there's like there was there was two Tom Brady touchdowns against essentially prevent defenses early on. Um, but yeah, they Bill O'Brien really pulled it out. We had you know trick plays like DeAndre Hopkins throwing a pass to Deshaun uh, in, in this one. New England's over run game. Pass. Let's let's not over egg it like. Yeah, well I suppose yeah. Well, well the last time they let DeAndre go pass, he threw an interception, I believe, about <laughs> five games back. So maybe they said, no, let, let's keep this short in between the numbers. And uh, New England's run game looked okay, but yeah, offensive line looked messy. Wide receivers were just all over the shop. Uh Tom Brady didn't look crisp, but you could see that he like the receivers weren't on the same page. He basically only trusts his slot receiver properly. There's obviously, if you want to look him up, there's some very interesting videos online where people have been like doing the lip reading and not the bad lip reading, actual lip reading of stuff that was happening on the sidelines about him, you know, motioning players into positions and them not knowing what they're meant to be doing. Uh, yeah, Houston looked a good bit better. New England looked not very good in this at all. And their defense, which has been the strength of the team so far, was getting beaten deep pretty much all night. Yeah. And I think, like, like Houston, like, I think this is, I, 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 I'm not going to say it was Bill O'Brien's Super Bowl, but I think they definitely came in here at home, big game in terms of ensuring they're atop the AFC uh, South. Um, and they pulled out all the stops. They got they got Deshaun Watson moving in the pocket. They created movement to ensure that he get free. Like I think the touchdown to his tight end Felds. He kind of shifted across the offensive line to the left and then dumped it over the defender who's rushing in to stop him, like actually like rushing himself. Very lots of really interesting, fun 
design and they got people like Kenny Stills and DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller even occasionally open deep, which just hasn't happened to New England this year. So this is this is a, a really impressive offensive performance from mm-hmm. Houston and gives you a lot of hope that if they get J.J. Watt, they can get this defense going again. Like The defense did pretty well here statistically, but I think New England's offense was helping a lot. But yeah, on New England's side, we know New England like to have a timing-based offense. And if you have all these people who don't know what they're doing, including Nikhil Harry, who I believe was benched in this game, their mm. rookie first-rounder, then you can't get that done. So right now, if you're a defense against them, you focus on Brady, you focus on Edelman, you focus on James White, uh, and you can basically kill their pass game uh, in anything that's like more than like third and two or so. So mm-hmm. I think New England, we're not going to... we're. <laughs> We're never allowed to count them out because it's Bill Belichick, but certainly this evidence is not in their favor that they're going to sort this out and have something that can compete with a Baltimore or a Kansas City in the playoffs right now. Yeah, we'll see. And then the final game, the Monday Night Football, was Minnesota at the Seattle Seahawks, 30-37. to uh, Seattle held on, even though there was you know a bit of a, a run at them at the tail end. Carson and Penny really eating up the ground, nearly 180 yards between them. Uh like, Russell Wilson had an okay, if not amazing game statistically, but I think that was more to do with the game plan that they were approaching it. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota did well until... Now, I don't know how serious injuries, but Cook was knocked out later in the game, and uh, then Cousins kind of, you know, started to, you know, release the dragon or whatever. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it, it was an inter- interesting performance. Uh, it was interesting in particular to see... You know, Seattle's defense do quite well early on in the game, but then start to fall off very rapidly in the back end. Yeah, like I, I think it has to be worrying there, and maybe just Seattle are just addicted to close games; they just can't win by more than yeah. seven. Um, and like I think this is probably closer to what we saw a lot of a lot of last year with Seattle, where Russell Wilson was kind of taking a little bit of a step back, and they leaned on their run game, and then they leaned on their defense, which was pretty good most of the game, but then. Yeah, it seemed to fall apart a bit when 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 Minnesota opened the playbook and started doing play action and started passing it deep. Um, but they ran the ball really well. I think it's it's really nice that Rashad Penny uh, has re- is rounding into form to complement Carson because Carson's getting a lot of carries early in the year. So having someone who's a good complement and perhaps could be replace him has been really good. And then yeah, Russell Wilson was fine. Uh, not his best game. Uh, his interception was incredibly bizarre. He, he basically threw a ball that got tipped up. And he kind of volley, tried to volleyball it down, you know, where you're trying to get on the ground. But instead, mm. volleyballed it into the defender. Spoiler alert. Like yeah. He, like, he, cause it, it, Russell Wilson is short. And I think he what? tried to... <laughs> Never heard that. He one. tried to swat it down, but he only succeeded in swatting it into, uh, like, a volleyball style thing into the hands of the Minnesota defender who took it for a pick six. And, yeah, Minnesota, they definitely were keeping it close for the first half. And they kind of struggled a bit in the third quarter. But when they opened things up... Maybe because Dalvin Cook went out, maybe because of the scoreline when they were 17 uh, points down. But they went back to their play action. They threw it deep. A couple of broken coverages for Seattle on the Laquan Treadwell touchdown, for example. But Cousins looked like an effective quarterback. I wouldn't put the blame for this on him. Because I think the game plan that they came with was to keep it close, keep it short. And it's only when they got into desperate trouble that they turned him. And I think he did mostly what you want. You have to be worried that on the final drive when they were four, four, four points down that he basically did nothing, that when the chips were down, he didn't get it done. But I think given his overall fourth quarter performance, I'm not willing to like lay it all on his feet, to be honest. Mm. And just a side note to our continuing uh, 
he can't beat anyone who's over 500. Uh, this now means after one of the earlier results, uh, I think it was the Raiders losing to the Chiefs, uh, no team that he has beaten this season is currently over 500. So uh, going to continue that lovely narrative. Excellent stuff. Uh, we'll move on to some questions from the listeners. So uh, first question up comes in from Emmett, and he says... Could Foles be back in Philly after this season, benching Jacksonville and so on? So, yeah, so we kind of mentioned earlier Minshew is coming in. Uh, it looks like Foles is not going to be the solution for them. The issue that you have with this is that you've got so much dead money if you cut him or trade him that you're going to need to get good compensation for him in a trade. Otherwise, why wouldn't you, like the Eagles have done previously, keep him there as your kind of super backup guy? Um yeah. Like, I also think there's like there's also like a little bit of a morale thing. I think if you have a guy who's not going to be in, in there, but I think Foles has generally been a good teammate, so he's, you can probably get away with it in this case. Yeah. Uh, like, I think Philly is an obvious place if they could get rid of him. But yeah, I think you're right. Like The circumstances right now would have to be pretty stacked for him to be extracted. And if Foles could really end up in any of the Andy Reid type systems because I think he'd be okay in any of those offensive coaching uh, that tree is basically designed to allow Foles to do pretty well. Yeah, but like this is the thing: like you can't, uh, you you have to get something sizable back. If you're going to essentially be paying a guy, like cash wise, probably something like thirty million, but against the cap, I think fifteen to twenty million, uh, to not be playing for your team, you really want to be getting something back. And I don't think what we've seen this season in the short bit of time that we've seen him is going to make people want to give up a second round pick to get him outside of the fact that maybe a team that needs a bridge happening or maybe they're a bit cash strapped and they need someone and they know this is a way they can get a quality backup in the building with yeah. low, like low, low uh, cap implications is the only way I could see that happening. Yeah. So I don't know who, who that might be. Like, who I don't think no, like maybe maybe the Rams or someone like that who are like very cash strapped. Although the thing is, they've already gotten rid of all their good picks for the yeah, next I don't know, three years. I, I don't know if anyone would do it up front. I think it's one of those things that might happen after the draft. So it's going to be a while, I think, before it would happen. Mm. So unless they cut him, I don't see him going to Philly. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe the Raiders if they continue to fall in love with uh, with Car trade Car for some capital trade a bit. Into that capital for a cheap fold while they draft a rookie or something like that. I don't know. It's all a bit of a mess. We'll figure it out. Uh, next up, this one comes in from Brian. He says, "What team do you expect to miss the? Pl- or sorry, what what's the best team that you expect to miss the playoffs?" Um, Honestly, in, in my opinion, I don't think there's anyone who'll miss the playoffs that I'm that worried about. In the AFC, mm-hmm. it's probably the Rams, and they've been only okay. And in the AFC, what you're looking at, like maybe a team like the Colts or like the Titans uh, or, or the Steelers, I suppose, is a stretch. And none of those teams, when I think about the ones who might fall out, I'm that disappointed to see go. Like if, if Philly or Dallas beat each other, don't really care. And yeah, I'm not really seeing a team right now that's outside the window who I expect to drop out, who I'd really care to miss. Well, I suppose if we think about the ones who aren't going to get in, who would be... Like, like the obvious one that pops up my head is like, I think you could add a nice little bit of randomness and excitement to some of the games if you had like a Tampa Bay landed there and you don't know if you're going to get a 500-yard performance or a 200-yard performance. Like, yeah. just, you know, wildcard, bitches kind of That's approach. a different question, Connor. Don't, That's don't, true. Don't, don't, don't That's borrow shots true. on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, try, I'll try not to. Best team that's going to miss is, like, 
objectively, the best the Rams, probably. I would say probably objectively the Bears. I think they're the best overall team that's going to miss out. They have Mitch Trubisky, so... Yeah, but like, you know, just in practice, have one of the defensive players hit him too hard so he can't play and <laughs> chase Daniels or something. Like, um, there's, there, there's a team that's going to be tied against the cap. We'll have some, we'll have some revenue to, or we'll have some picks to shift around and could do with an upgraded quarterback. But I think we both agree that the, there's no team that we're desperate to see there that no. isn't going to be there this year. No, there's no one who... You, only they hadn't, had gotten into that form earlier on or something like that kind of thing um, if anything I, there's there's teams that were contenders that are falling off that I now don't think are as good as maybe I did five weeks ago um, and this one was an interesting one actually uh, this one came up when we were watching the game on Sunday so the new collective bargaining agreement is upcoming so that means that the players union are going to agree new terms with the league on how much money they have revenue sharing things like rookie wage scales and things like that the question is, should you sign your players now or sign them later on? So, yeah, this is a, th- th- there's a couple of ways to take this, isn't there? Yeah, like the way I see it, I would sign them now because the way the CBA is, is, is shaping up where the, the, the league is looking for some pretty big stuff, um, in particular that extra game. If they get that extra game, um, yes, it'll reduce the prices, whatever. But I expect that the, the NFLPA, if they know what they're doing, are going to extract a pretty hefty chunk of change in exchange for an extra game or two to occur. Um, so in that case, the cap will almost certainly go up. And in that case, the contracts being signed now will seem like peanuts. And I think the way that teams have been re-upping uh, a fair bit more than I would expect, like basically they are re-upping some other players like Lane Johnson, gives me a sneaky feeling that the, the inside track right now is erring towards there's going to be more money in players' pockets. Uh, now, maybe the only factor against that is the rookies will probably be getting paid a bit more, and maybe that means less money for the free agent-type market. Uh, but I think overall, I expect contracts to accelerate a bit early on in the next CBA. I think there'll almost be like an opposite. You know, these things kind of come back and forth. The last CBA ended up being really bad for the players for most standard veteran players. So I think they're going to be gunning to get a contract or a deal which they believe will be good for those players this time around. Yeah, like that's the thing. The The big impact that we've seen the last time was the introduction of the rookie pay scale, whereas like teams who had the first overall pick in one year were paying $60 million to to Matt Stafford or Sam Bradford or whoever it was. And then the following year it was like, oh, if we just held off a year, that would have been $25 million. Not that they get the choice of holding off a year on their draft pick, but you get the idea that sometimes the landscape can change. There's also some interesting bits around, uh, particularly if you're looking at things like running backs and that, that there's a lot of talk about should they change the length of contracts for rookies to be positional given the average length of the career. So if a, if a running back on average lasts eight years, say, in the league, well, if you can control their rights for essentially six years without giving them a second contract, then they get very little window for for, for, for for accessing the market. So there might be some changes like that. But yeah, like the smart money pays them now because the cap only seems to increase. But there is going to be small things that will cause kind of wrinkles or maybe changes to how certain positions get paid or valued, which might uh, change them. But look, if you've got a superstar, pay your superstar now. It's, it's, this is why they're looking for percentages rather than hard numbers, you know. Um, I suppose, yeah, we'll take a look then at the games for next week. Okay, so first up, Dallas at Chicago. We've both gone for Dallas here. Um, yeah, Mitch Trubisky. 
Yeah, like I don't trust Dallas, but I think they're they're good enough to keep up with a team like Chicago. Like they're just Chicago are just so yeah, meh right now. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna believe the Trubiskin nonce or whatever the fuck you want to call it, where he hasn't Trubiskin looked as awful recently. Yeah, he's not looked as bad, but yeah, I still reckon that Dallas have the quality in that one. Indianapolis at Tampa Bay. We've both gone for Tampa Bay. I imagine kind of slightly on the fact that they're the kind of team who can turn it on and do some exciting things, and they have the superstars that Indianapolis doesn't. Like, roster to roster, you'd probably take Indy, but I just think Tampa can have a little bit more juice in this one, and it feels like they might at home. Yeah, you can never trust Tampa Bay, but I think this is probably, if they do win this, it pretty much puts the, the nail in the coffin of Indianapolis's playoff chances, and yeah, I think unless they get, like, Mac and T.Y. back, I just don't see enough offensive firepower to go against the likes of Godwin and Evans. Yeah, of course. Uh, Baltimore Buffalo, uh, I would not, <laughs> coming into the season, have picked this as being as big a matchup as it is. We've both gone for Baltimore because, look, you can't really pick against them at the moment. But, you know, Buffalo are doing very well. They're in contention for, you know, if certain things break right, in contention to take the AFC East as well. Um, they are at home in this game. I suppose it's not a big trip for Baltimore to have to take. Uh, but it's just, it's hard to look past that kind of, you know, super exciting offense and in the last couple of weeks in particular, defense for Baltimore, right? Yeah, like I think Baltimore just like right now look like the best team in football on both sides of the ball. You go against a Buffalo team which shows sparks. And as I said, Josh Allen is starting to look better as an actual passer alongside his obvious running uh, skills. So I think Buffalo, if they can put up a decent performance here at home, they can give like Baltimore a tough time like San Francisco did. I think they'll be pretty happy with that outing. But obviously, if they did manage to pull off a win here, then things start to get interesting in the AFC East for once. So, uh, you know, it would be a nice storyline. But yeah, Baltimore just too good right now. It's hard to bet against them. Yeah, a couple of one-siders coming up here. Detroit at Minnesota. Look, Detroit is starting their third-swing quarterback, and they've got a guy they just signed basically off the street behind him. Minnesota looked good. Uh and this Detroit team is well below 500. So Minnesota, 100%. Uh, Washington at Green Bay, is yeah. there anything in this apart from the possible emergence of guys? Yeah, like another tomato can for Green Bay after one week. I think Mazungus will do slightly better than New York Giants because the run defense of Green Bay is a little bit vulnerable. But unlike Carolina, who are a very inconsistent team, it's hard to see this Washington defense doing enough against Aaron Rodgers and the gang. Uh, so I expect... Uh, you know, maybe some competition for the first half, but for Green Bay to pull away or late on. Yeah, Denver, Houston, we're both going for Houston. Look, Houston beat New England there recently. They've got the superstars they need there at home. Denver, you know, they've got a little bit more going on now with the with uh, Drew Locke in the lineup, but I just, I don't see the quality in the team. I think this will be one where they'll try some things out, but won't really remain competitive, and Houston will keep the push on to you know, challenge for possibly, you know, looking at, uh, it's a difficult road, but potentially looking at a buy or something like that if, if if some of the top two fall off at all. So I don't see much else in that game, no? Yeah, pretty much. Your pick of the week is up next, San Francisco at New Orleans. This is a tasty one. I've gone for San Fran, you've gone for New Orleans. Yeah, like I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a homer for New Orleans. Like I, I will believe in my predictions. Obviously, New Orleans right now is at the number one seed. Um, due to their tiebreaker over Seattle and San Francisco being tiebreakered out by Seattle within division. Um, so huge implications in this game. New Orleans, we know, have perhaps been less consistent this season, 
But obviously they have Drew Brees, they have Alfred Kampara, they have Michael Thomas, who's having a ridiculous season. And their defense, we see that it's heating up a bit. Cam Jordan's having a great season. And if Marshawn Latimer is healthy, then I think that that just kind of ties the whole thing together, makes it a really effective unit. And on San Francisco's side, you maybe have on average better, maybe uh, on average every player is a little bit better, uh, Like, uh, but the variance is much less. You don't have... Like they're closest to Michael Thomas and to George Kittle, and as great as George Kittle is, he is still a tight end, and you just don't have as much an impact. You know, they have a good roster of running backs with no one comparable to a Kamara. Like they're all more like Latavius Murray type players, mm-hmm. really. So it will come down to can Kyle Shanahan um, out scheme Sean Payton, and that's quite a tall task. Um, considering and like these are both two of the greatest offensive minds in the NFL right now, in my opinion. And I think, you know, it'll be really intriguing to see which one of them can pull out something to get around what are two really good defenses. I think the one problem for San Francisco is that maybe they are reliant a bit more on the Shanahan system and it's a bit more known of a system. Whereas I think Sean Payton, as he showed earlier when he had Teddy Bridgewater in for a long time, he can, he'll do whatever it takes to win. So I'm going to give New Orleans the, 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 the advantage in the Superdome, but it should be a really good game regardless. Yeah, like I said, I'm just going to pick the, the the edge of the San Fran defense and the fact that just the last couple of weeks New Orleans haven't convinced me as much as they have at other times. Uh, Cincinnati at Cleveland. I got for Cincinnati, you've gone for Cleveland. I think Cincinnati look decent enough at the moment uh, with Dalton there. Cleveland look to be slightly tail-spinning. Even though they're at home, this is in division, they tend to play each other tough. I think John Ross is due to be back for Cincinnati as well this week, which will give him a little bit more firepower and Mixon is firing up. The Cleveland side, the reason I'm not picking them is just they have the better talent, but I just don't like their coaching. I don't like their attitude. And I just, yeah, I just I just find it hard to see them. Like They could turn it on and blow the doors off this Cincinnati yeah. team. But I just don't think the mental resilience and the yeah. and the coaching is necessarily uh, 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 there. I could definitely see an implosion too. But I think Cleveland, the talent is there. They have done better against the worst teams i don't think cincinnati have the firepower in the trenches to do what pittsburgh did to cleveland and i think cleveland can kind of play their own game and when they do play their own game they have looked like an adequate team this year but nowhere near obviously we think um carolina atlanta is the next game there's some breaking news connor Mm -hmm. Uh, ron rivera has just been fired by the carolina panthers um secondary coach uh perry fuel will be the new interim head coach for the carolina panthers for this game. I don't know if that's affected your change of uh, <laughs> prediction here. Uh, <laughs> I, was ch- I was changing it as you were saying that, actually. I was just thinking uh, about it as going on oh, this Carolina team. Hmm. So, breaking news. Ron Rivera, coach of the, of the Carolina Panthers, has been fired. Be interested to see what they do there. Um, Ron Rivera, obviously, has been a really good coach there. Obviously, got them to a Super Bowl. But things just kind of fell apart this year. And I suppose with Cam Newton on the way out, probably... Um, with the new owner kind of wanting to make his mark it's not that surprising to see him he had a little bit maybe less rope than you might expect considering his past well, look, if, if you're if your nickname is riverboat ron and you just elect to kick a field goal down four scores with yeah, just going into the yeah. fourth quarter ironically yeah, the like, ron thing came around because he was conservative traditionally and then he had like a moment of revelation but yeah i think this year maybe when he lost the confidence of the owner um or the team he kind of i don't know maybe he just reverted to form uh, obviously, this game, Carolina Atlanta, we've both gone for Atlanta now. Um, both these teams are too unpredictable to really, really assess. And Atlanta's run game is bad, which is bad because I suppose that's Carolina's big weakness. But I think Atlanta at home, they can get, they'll have Julio back. Um, they'll throw a lot of yards, and 
you know, unless Christian McCaffrey goes crazy, which he is liable to do, then Atlanta should have enough. Particularly, particularly given what this Atlanta defense has looked like the last two or three weeks. But yeah, um, yeah, we'll stick with Atlanta there. Miami at the Jets. We've both gone for the Jets. Uh, Miami have looked better these days, but like the Jets also have looked better. They shit the bed last week, but yeah, yeah. I just... I, I, the, my 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 only concern going into this, and I might adjust my pick based on this, is that uh, Jamal Adams left wearing a boot i think uh off the last game and if he's not there i think he's a he's kind of a bit of a field general for them on the defense even though he's uh he's young and that could have an impact on it but they're at home you know it was freezing snowy conditions up there which is kind of like the opposite of miami so uh yeah i'll I'll take the jets to get back on on track like they had three good games in a row and then they shit the bed so maybe they get another one in division here yeah like uh, you can't these two teams are too inconsistent but i think the jets there's a little bit more talent there, um, at Miami. But Miami, if they throw everything at the book again, uh, at the at, at the against the wall again, maybe they can pull out another win here. No, of um, course. Chargers at Jacksonville. I've gone for Jacksonville. You've gone for Chargers. It's essentially a pick'em game. I'm going with Minshew being back, them being at home, and the Chargers being an absolute just laugh riot of self implosion. My yeah. big my my big call in this game. Uh, Rivers gets benched. Yeah, well, I know you're on that, and obviously you're you're, <laughs> you're AFC West kind of condition, but like, yeah, like you can't call this game. They're both been really bad recently, but I think the Chargers have been looked all right while still managing to lose despite themselves. And I think a Jacksonville team that just so looks so listless could be there for the picking. Maybe Minshew Mania catches fire again, but I can see the Chargers just running it through Gordon, getting enough done, and the defense softens it up and gets to Minshew. Do they have? Um... Do they have uh, Derwin James back this game? Yeah, they had, they had Derwin James. They had Adrian Phillips back this week, and like they weren't oh, bad against Denver. They weren't yeah. bad against Denver. They just blew it. The offense was terrible. They got them into the hole, and then the last play, they just blew it. Like, yeah, no, fair enough. And uh, next up, we got a fucking monster game: Kansas City at New England. We both got for Kansas City, which is a bit of a surprise to me. This is my pick of the week. Um, yeah, New England look a bit vulnerable, but. New England at home following uh, a loss and a pissed off Bill Belichick is not something I ever particularly like to experience. Kansas City's defense has looked a lot better of late, uh, particularly in the secondary. And with the issues with the wide receivers, they might be able to cause some hassle for uh, Brady as well. With him missing his center, there's a lot of good uh, pressure coming out the middle from Chris Jones and stuff like that. So they might be able to be a bit more disruptive on the KC offensive side. New England's defense will be interesting to see what they do. Are they going to bracket Hill or are they going to bracket Kelsey and put like kind of a one on one with Hill? With they've City had issues or? with Hill in the past, haven't they? they have, uh, also, the one that uh, the one that I'm kind of hoping I mentioned in the uh, in the review section that we saw a bit of Darwin Thompson looking good at the tail end of last uh, game. If you remember the uh, the Chiefs opener two years ago in uh, in. Uh, Gillette Stadium featured the uh, rookie running back Hunt coming in and going for was it 200 yards and three touchdowns against them so I think I think a key to this will be getting the run game going a bit because that's what will set up a lot more stuff but if they try and do what they normally do scheme to take away the best pieces then you're going to have Nico Hardman Sammy Watkins and uh, and whoever's starting at running back being the people that they're going to have to try and make it work through and we've seen that in games where they plan for that they're able to do that i think watkins robinson and some have all had multiple touchdown games in one-off games so yeah. i think it should be an exciting ass game though yeah i think the chiefs maybe are due uh 
hey, we're still here type game. And I could, and they've had New England's number a lot over the last few years. So I know it didn't matter in the playoffs, but in the regular season, they've been pretty good. So mm. I think this, I have a feeling this might be the game where we see Mahomes back to mega Mahomes just a little bit, just get that sneak peek just before we get into the, the business end of the season. Because they have the AFC West pretty much wrapped up. It's all about whether they can sneak into one of those uh, bye weeks at this point. Yeah. Well, the, the key the key here would be if we can beat them here, we just need New England to lose one more game because we'd have the tiebreaker over them then as well. So it would be uh, it'd be an interesting one to see because the thing is, we don't have the tiebreaker because we lost to Houston. Yeah. But we did also beat Baltimore, but I don't see Baltimore dropping two games. So it's uh, no, but I think I think it should be a very exciting game because uh, I think Belichick will have this team whipped into much better shape than maybe they were when they were going into Houston. Because we also can't forget that Houston going into the, going into the Houston game, they had a number of players ill to the extent that they I think went in two separate planes just to keep them separated. But uh, no, it should be should be a good one. Tennessee at Oakland. Uh, we've both gone for Tennessee here. Yeah, it's an important game. You know, I'm not that hyped about it. Uh, no. We know Tennessee's game plan, basically keep it close and then let Derek Henry go crazy in the second half and get uh, over 100 yards. Um, we know Oakland's game plan, run the ball through Jacobs all game, use the short passing game with Waller and maybe Tyrell Williams if he's healthy to kind of keep it going. But we know both of these both of these kind of game plans are quite fragile, but I kind of trust Tennessee's that they, they, like when it gets going, it's just a bit more effective it's a bit more grinding whereas Oakland if they get knocked off their pace just tend to fall apart very very quickly we saw it against Kansas City so I think Tennessee didn't keep it close and then run away in the second half that's just kind of the way they've been this year yeah like Oakland maybe get it back together a little bit and try and push because essentially this game is needed for them to be able to stay in the wild card wild card hunt uh so we'll see but yeah just this Tennessee run game they seem like the kind of team who could if they get a score up, can just start to you know grind you down, and I'm not sure putting the pressure on Derek Carr to have to pass his way out of something is the easiest way to stop that open team. Pittsburgh at Arizona, we both got for Arizona. Um, yeah, despite the bad game last week, Arizona are a bit more exciting. Pittsburgh have a very good defense, and I think their offense is better with Duck Hodgins, but it's not yeah. like it's not it's not something. That you kind of go, oh yeah, they'll be able to do it. Like I could see this Arizona team putting up twenty eight points in a game. I can't yeah. really see this Pittsburgh team outside of defensive scoring doing that. Yeah, I think if, if they can just keep Kyler Murray on his feet long enough that he can pick out the long plays and let the roads route roads develop, then it should be fine. Um, but yeah, I could see Pittsburgh sneaking a win, still being relevant for the playoffs. But I think Pittsburgh are now the new Tennessee, so fuck Pittsburgh, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Seattle at the Rams, both gone for Seattle. Look, the Rams had a bounce back last week, but I still don't trust them as a team. Seattle have a good defense that will be able to, you know, change its look before, uh, after the after the 15-second uh, headset cutoff happens. Your offense looks good. Their defense looks vulnerable. Uh, and it just it's becoming increasingly more and more baffling as to why they traded for Jalen Ramsey when they did. Yeah. But I do kind of wish this game was a couple of weeks ago because I do think they've got their receivers back healthy outside of their tight end Everett. Their defense, it's not it's great up front, uh, but Ramsey's got a little bit better since he, he's better in a little bit compared to where he was early on. So I think the Rams, they're forming into being a pretty good team um, at this point. But I do think Seattle, they've just shown the ability to win games from any situation um, so I just, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they can get it done 
in the Coliseum. But uh, I think the Rams are, are sneakily kind of becoming a better team. But like the whole save Gurley to the end isn't really going to work because the NFC is just so stacked right now. So even if they do win this, it's still a very long road for them to get back to playoff relevance. No, of course. And finally, the Giants at Philadelphia. We both gone for Philadelphia. I nearly took the Giants on how Philadelphia's been playing of late. But you almost forget just how bad the Giants team actually is. Because you see some good plays from the young quarterback here and there, and you kind of go, oh, that's interesting. But they're a two-win team in the hunt for the for the first overall pick. Philadelphia are at home. Like, Philadelphia have been making a balls of stuff, but they're they're not going to make the balls of this, right? Yeah, and their, their defense seems to really step up in their stadium, so I expect their defense to really go aggressively after Daniel Jones, get a few picks, get a few turnovers. He's been very prone to that. Um, so I could just see that being the, the difference in this game. And we'll see if the Philly offense can kind of get something going against what is an easy get-right defense. So I think Philly, yes, they could screw up. They're certainly be doing a lot right now, but the Giants, you know, they deserve to be in that top three pick situation that they're going to end up in. Yeah, no, of course. Um, so I suppose I'll wrap it up for this week. Uh, as always, you can kind of get us on Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff for for questions. Uh, any plans for the weekend? You were saying you're going to go to the cinema, was it? Or no, 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 you went to the cinema. Uh, yeah, I went to the cinema last week. Maybe go to the, I don't know, I might go to the cinema again. But like, no, it's, it's pretty uh, quiet this week because it's the Christmas party the week after, so I'm not going to go too crazy. Uh, and then I think I might be going to see like the new uh, Ken Loach film in the local art cinema, hopefully oh, uh, this yes. week. Uh, but yeah, otherwise fine, you know, mostly focusing on our and our epic derp fight in our fantasy league, but uh, we can yeah, talk about we're that both, next week. We're dog, we're dog, we're dog fighting for the for the last playoff position, and we're both managing to lose in tandem so that no one is separating from the other. So uh, going, going great, going great. Um, yeah, fun times. Idea. I don't have nothing too wild or crazy plans. The missus gets back. We'll do a few bits. She hasn't seen the new flat yet since we moved in. So because uh, I moved in when she was over in Jordan. So I also need to arrange whenever she's coming back up from uh, from our beal to meet her somewhere that she knows where it is, and then I can show her how to get to the house because she has no <laughs> idea where it is. So uh, that'll be fun. So I'll probably just give the house a bit of a clean so it looks nice whenever she gets in. And uh, no, it's good. So I suppose that'll do it for now. So I suppose bye for myself, bye from Roman. Bye. It's been all four quarters. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll chat to you next week. Bye.